Welcome to Phone Messages, episode 183, No Area Code. My name is Paul Mason Foch. This week, I play message number 13 from Benjamin Evans. The message is five seconds long and comes from the spring or the summer of 1990. Here we go. Benjamin Evans, 684-244. It's funny with phone numbers because at the time you have that number, you know it by heart. And now I'm like, wow, 684, what? I don't remember that phone number at all. It must have been in the 773 area code. I think it was a Hyde Park number. As I recall, 312, wasn't that originally the Chicago area code? Everything in Chicago was 312. And then it must have been, I don't know, 92, 93. They split people up and uh, Hyde Park became 773. And I felt like, oh, wow, they've moved us out to the suburbs. I was very sad to leave 312. It's funny also because now I live in Rhode Island. And one of the interesting things about Rhode Island culture is that people will say their telephone number and they won't give an area code because everybody in Rhode Island is area code 401. And you can tell people that are more recently moved to Rhode Island from places with more than one area code because they actually use the area code. I want to go back to your band history, because last we were talking about bead scat. Tell me the origins of Drag King. I was still an undergraduate at the University of Chicago. Del Valavanis was working for the University of Chicago, and he met LaVon Washington, who was also working for the University of Chicago. And LaVon loved to play the drums. So LaVon was like, we have to uh, jam. And um, Del played bass, and he loved experimenting with sound and using different electronics, different pedals for changing the pitch and texture of the sound. Then we connected with Barrett Heaton. He worked on a comic book magazine called uh, Breakdown. And we would just get together at least once a week and just experiment and work on different sounds. We had like a little basement space where we would play. Was there any overlap between the Speed Scat Jam and the early Drag King Jam? Stell and myself. And we tried to drag James into it, but he was interested in doing other things. What about Ted Gray? Oh, yeah, of course. Ted Gray was instrumental in all of this. He played bass. He played guitar. He also loved to play around with different sounds and samples. You know, whether it was with like making cassette tapes that he would play or reel to reel tapes or just like toys or, you know, kitchen utensils, maybe, a you know, run a cheese grater through a few effects pedals or something. When did you first come up with the name Drag King? I was really into this zine that was called Speed Kill. And the thing with that zine was it was about punk rock and cars, vintage cars, modifying cars. There'd be an article about post-punk or noise or whatever band like Tar or something. And then an article about drag racing in northern Michigan in the 1960s or something like that, you know? And that's kind of where, like, the name grew out of. What was your first time playing outside of the basement? Stell's brother Pete had a bar on Devon Avenue, Carrie's Lounge, which is named after their father. We would play there, which was a lot of fun. 
and just so mellow because, you know, there's plenty of time to set up your equipment. We had so much equipment. Dell had like two amplifiers and we had an oscilloscope. Levon's drum kit was all this like various metal parts and cymbals and bells and all kinds of stuff. So it took us forever to set up. So it was nice to play Carrie's Lounge because we had plenty of time to set up there. They, they had like the back room and we would just set up and play there. And I remember Levon's friends, uh, Amir and Sultan, uh, these two brothers from the South Side would come up and like be at like a cheering session along with Stell's brother, Pete. And I think a lot of the other folks didn't know what to make of us. Where is this bar located? I think you would call it Rogers Park. And was there a cover or? Oh, no. If we got two dozen people, we would be very happy. How often would you play there? We would try to play around every two weeks at least. And, you know, we would play other places like Lounge Act, some places around Wicker Park like Phyllis's Musical Inn or um, a place called Biddy Mulligan's. And then there were also just like old factory or something that some people had moved into and they would have shows there. There was an old school in Ukrainian Village. It used to be like a primary school and... Some people had moved in there, and, and you could play shows there. It was a really fun scene. Once again, Ben provides us with an abundance of topics to cover. The first thing to clarify is that Hyde Park's shift from the 312 to 773 area code took place in 1996, a few years later than Ben remembered. Next, let me discuss the zine Speed Kills, which inspired the naming of Drag King. Scott Rutherford, a manager at Secondhand Tunes, published the first issue of Speed Kills in the fall of 1991. Over the next few years, the size of the zine grew exponentially. A fanzine review in Maximum Rock and Roll from March 1994 proclaims, Wow, nothing could have prepared me for how much this has grown. Huge zine. Tons of stuff. You get everything from band interviews, Pitch Blend, Don Caballero, to reports from the Chrysler Auto Show. This issue also contained an actual vinyl single from the band Gaunt. A practice begun with issue 4, which included a rocket from the crypt 7-inch, and continued with number 6, a single from Superchunk, and number 7, a 10-inch with four bands, Back Off Cupid's, Flying Saucer Attack, and Portostatic. A 1996 profile of Speed Kills in the Chicago Reader describes how the front of the magazine was filled with fan letters. Rutherford is quoted in the piece saying, You get to know a little bit about the person when they tell you their favorite car is a 1979 Impala. They'll write in and say, Hey man, great magazine. By the way, I've got a 64 Ford Falcon. Keep up the good work. Despite its popularity, with a print run of 6,500, issue 7 proved to be the last. Turning to the venues Ben remembered playing at, Carrie's Lounge, which opened in 1972, 
is still in business and hosting bands on a regular basis. Biddy Mulligan's on the far north side was mostly known as a blues bar where legends like Willie Dixon and Albert Collins performed beginning in the early 70s, but it closed in 1995. Lincoln Park-based The Lounge Acts opened in 1987 and provided the backdrop for a scene in the movie High Fidelity, where John Cusack's character falls for a singer played by Lisa Bonet. Ironically, the bar closed in 1999, a year before the film was released. Finally, Phyllis's musical Inn has somehow found the formula to endure since 1954. Opened as a polka bar on West Division Street when the neighborhood was still full of Polish immigrants, it has adapted to neighborhood changes and changes in musical taste. There is certainly much more to say about the Chicago club scene of the 1990s, and more will be said about Drag King in future episodes with Ben. Let me conclude by saying this week marks the conclusion of my summer fun drive to cover the costs of internet hosting services. Give what you can by finding my username, pfoch, at either Cash App or Venmo. Pfoch is spelled P-F like in Frank, O-T-S-C-H. Or contact me through my website, pfoch.com. I am very grateful for any donation, and I am grateful to Ben for his speedy reflections. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.